Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and on the NSN app. And there is an adage. I'm sure you've heard it before. It's kind of one of those things your parents tell you. If you have nothing good to say, don't say it. And uh, I have to be frank. There is just nothing good to say about the Tuesday night first presidential debate. There's just, there's nothing good. There's nothing good to say, I don't think, right now about either candidate. I don't think there's much to say about the country, about the state of politics, about the moderator, about the format, about just about anything that we can really be proud of. Um, there was loads of contempt. There was loads of rule-breaking, norm-breaking, um, missed opportunities, missed everything. And when the moderator has to apologize afterward for not kind of letting things get out of hand, uh, you know you have a problem. And now this seems to have been very clearly the strategy of the president. And I see the strategy, and I understand the strategy, and I understand that where you want to go with this, um, this concept that uh, those in the Republican Party have of owning the libs, of kind of owning it and throwing them off their game by setting the agenda. And I still believe the Republicans have the better agenda. I believe the president has the better policies. I think that overall, if sometimes he can get out of the way of himself a little bit, but that he would have a very compelling message for re-election. But, OMG. And I hate to use that social media thing, but that's really the case uh, if you watch that. And the average American, I can't imagine, was turned on by either performance on Tuesday night. Well, at least we can look forward to the vice presidential debate uh, coming up. And I guess Mike Pence and Kamala Harris are not uh, certainly will probably certainly will not be of the same tenor temper that we saw. So where do we start even? I mean, that's the big question. You know, where where do we start? I mean, there's just so much. Um, oh, by the way, that's October 7th. That's October 7th in Utah. October 7th in Utah, which is next week. Um, Salt Lake City. And that should be an interesting one. Uh, Mike Pence is unflappable. Kamala Harris is aggressive. Uh, she definitely distinguished herself uh, for had moments, flash in the pan moments during the Democratic primary and those debates. And uh, again, we shall see. But where do we start on what's happening? Well, I want to start, first of all, just talk about the pandemic for a second. Um, I want to talk about coronavirus. I want to talk about coronavirus in our community, meaning the Jewish community in New York and New Jersey, specifically the Orthodox Jewish community, where Corona is once once again spreading, and 
so much so that the positivity rates in certain communities are like 30%. That means 30% of people getting tested are positive for corona, where the real positivity rate should be below 1%. That's really where public health officials want it to be. It's an astounding number. Uh, where I live here in Lawrence, uh, we saw a seven-day stretch of five new cases per day. That's uh, five new cases per day. I mean, that's that's a lot of people being infected. And people will say, oh, well, people aren't going to the hospital. Well, some people are. Some people aren't really getting that sick. Well, some people are. And, you know, it really doesn't matter. It goes quickly. It goes through. And that might be the case. And for some people, it doesn't. It's not a big deal. But for some people, it is a big deal. And it's here and it's back. And we had a lull during the summer, June, July, August, and September. It's back. And a lot of it has to do with gatherings. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, we have to have weddings and we have to, um, you know, we have to have gatherings. And who knows as we head into the fall and the winter, it's going to have, some of those gatherings are just going to have to stop perhaps it's it's really unclear as to how we how we move forward with this uh what what, do we, what is there to say i mean you go around and you just see that the mix of people and if you if you the mix of people some people wearing masks some people not wearing masks some people social distancing some people not social distancing and you know, as i've said before i had corona myself uh way back when months ago so i do feel a little bit less vulnerable no question but i tend to wear a mask or i try to wear a mask as much as possible uh, because i think that there is this perception if some people wear masks other people wear masks Uh, i don't wear a mask all the time and perhaps i should perhaps that's the only way is that if you if people those who are uh both had it and didn't have it everybody should wear a mask and therefore you should all do it at the same time and therefore if everybody's masked everybody will be safer and i don't know maybe that that is that is the way but we can't keep our heads in the sand as a community and pretend that when the government tells us that we need that they want to crack down, that this is somehow smacking of anti-Semitism. Now, I will say this with regard to New York City, which is the worst, I guess, uh, relationship between the our community and the officials. And once again, you just see a total, total lack of community engagement or appropriate community engagement from Bill de Blasio, who just does not seem interested in being mayor of New York City anymore, not interested in doing the job, not interested in anything, just for, well, for whatever reason, um, it just, there just seems to be a total lack of interest. I mean, he has, they had a press conference this week, and if you didn't catch it, it's, it's cringeworthy, not cringeworthy because of the mistake itself. Um, And I'm referring to the health uh, commissioner talking about the Bubavitcher Rebbe wearing a mask. And that was a nice sign. 
Um, now he's talking about Moshe David Unger of Bubba Forty Five, who is not the Bubavitcher, and you know why you would actually get it wrong is just a sign of disrespect. Like you would that you would get the name of a any leader in the city wrong to that extent is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Do you not have a staff that can brief you appropriately on how to talk about people? And if you can't, and if you don't know the name of the person, don't say it. It's like butchering the name of I don't uh, Haitian or Chinese person. Just getting it a totally wrong. It's just fabulously insulting. Uh, to show, and it, it, it's up there with the idea that they send these sound trucks talking about warning about coronavirus in Yiddish into Queens, uh, at going down Main Street where I used to live in the neighborhood I used to live, Kew Gardens Hills, because there's the uptick there, and it's just it's astoundingly, uh, it shows an astounding lack of uh, of understanding. I know I'm using these words. Uh, over and over, but it is astounding that there's nobody in City Hall, there's nobody on the mayor's staff, this is the city of New York, this is a a very expensive staff, a very uh, huge staff of people, and there's nobody there to say, hey, by the way, not all Jews are exactly the same. Not all Orthodox Jews are exactly the same. Not everybody is a Yiddish speaker. In fact, there are lots of Russian-speaking Jews in Queens, and there are lots of English-speaking Jews in Queens. There are not that many Yiddish-only speakers in Queens. You know, it's like when I see these census ads in the Jewish papers that are in Hebrew, and they want people to participate in the census, and they put it in Hebrew because they assume that, of course, all Jews in New York speak Hebrew. Now, some do, and... Of course, I understand Hebrew, and I understand that, but I'm not likely to read the census ad if it's in Hebrew that's targeted at the Jewish people. But this is a public health emergency, and getting it wrong just shows the lack of interest, perhaps, in trying to approach our uh, trying to approach our community now. Where does that where does that kind of leave things? I mean, if I am your average your average from person in Borough Park, and I'm thinking, okay, what's my relationship with the city right now? What is my what is my thought with regard to you know why should I listen to Mayor De Blasio? Why should I listen? You know, you try to close our schools, not just for Corona, but you're trying to close our schools. You know, because of education, you're trying to modify our rituals. You have criticized us specifically with regard to gatherings, despite the fact that there were huge protests going on throughout the city. But those are okay. But we can't attend the funeral of a great rabbi. Uh, the ham-handed, just total lack of regard for the from community has really been. Uh, is is really been incredible. Now, yes, we are insular. Uh, some much more so. I don't want to certainly um, 
the firm community is not monolithic, as I said, and that should be understood. Uh, I think at this point, but we are insular, but not to the point that you can't have a proper understanding and relationship with uh, with what's going on. Now, the, the, one of the issues, I think, of course, is that they only talk, you know, many politicians only talk to kind of, uh, not self-appointed leaders, but I think leadership, and there's not this deeper understanding of the grassroots of the people out there and how they are going to react to mandates and being told they have to stay home and being told they have to they have to wear masks all the time and being told they can't go about their daily rituals. So much of our life as from Jews is communal. And it's so it's such a huge, huge break and a huge problem to turn around and say you can't go Davin. Uh, and perhaps there was a way to work together to create guidelines, uh, and they did in Israel, and it's been tough in Israel as well, but to create guidelines that are going to be acceptable for both sides so that you don't necessarily have hundreds of people in the same place, and you don't have hundreds of people using the same mikvah in a certain morning, and you come up with things that are acceptable, and you do more outreach along the lines of the picture of the Bubavacher. Um See, that's the problem, is when you have a pic- such a picture of the Bubba Fortified Rebbe there. It's a good picture. It's a powerful picture. It's something that people knew. But then when you get the name wrong to that extent and create a joke out of it and create a parody out of it, you lose any ability to approach it. So what happened in the debate? Uh, and I, want, I, I don't want to talk about this too much because it's just as again there's really very little to say i mean trump clearly came out and said i'm going to knock everybody over i'm going to bulldoze both the moderator and joe biden see what happens of course the expectations of joe biden were so low that the fact that he could even put together a sentence in the perce- in a lot of people's perception was was probably an achievement. was probably was probably an achievement Feels like we're having some technical difficulties this, this morning. Um, but uh, Joe Biden, I think, missed a lot of opportunities. I don't know. I mean, the court packing, he, he didn't he didn't want to give an answer. He didn't say any, you know, he didn't say an answer. Uh, I thought he had opportunities also to to even on the unfortunate dismissal by the president of Bo Biden, um, I think that Joe Biden gave a good, an excellent um, uh, response with regard to addiction and how it affected his son and his family and overcoming that. And I think a lot of American families who had suffered with people with addiction um, show the same sympathy and empathy or something that Joe Biden uh, is, is great at. And that was a great opportunity. And I'm not even sure why the president went there on that to just not even pause for a second to offer the country's thanks for Bo Biden and his service. But I think Joe could have gone a little, could have talked a little bit better about that as well. Uh, I think he was just so thrown off. He didn't want to, he didn't want to talk so much. He could have talked a little bit more about healthcare. Uh, You know, I think the president did well in knocking him off on the law enforcement stuff. 
um, the racial uh, justice. You know, I most of the country in the polling is is somewhere in the middle between the two. Um, and if Biden could have showed that he is in the middle, that would have been more effective. But it was really difficult for him to get the words in. Now, of course, I think this was Trump's strategy. And it is a strategy that I think for the debate, to win the debate itself, or at least to let not, not let Joe Biden win the debate, I think made actually a lot of sense. The question is, being behind, and assuming you know, the polling being what it is, being behind, is that going to get you uh, votes? And this has been you know, the challenge. I've said it before about the politics being that of addition, not subtraction. And my party, the Republicans seem to, you know, feel, um, at least on this national level, certainly not here in New York and, you know, in the Northeast, that the key is going to be motivating those base voters and the same kind of coalition, the same group, the same demographic that came out in 2016 and motivate them a little bit more to come out to the polls. The question is, that is not a majority of the country. And there's no reason you can't expand the map based on good policies that Republicans have. And, you know, you have good things to talk about. But the one thing that people are not talking about, um, and I think that you do feel often that the distractions that the president puts up there uh, have been very, have been effective, is that one thing that we're not talking about is coronavirus. We're not talking about the death toll surpassing 200,000 people. We're not talking about the um, rise in infection rates in 23 states. So we are seeing that. Um, and muddying the waters, as far as that's concerned, can be a very effective strategy for the president. And I think we're seeing that. You know, there is this thing that, oh, well, you know, it's all about chaos with Trump and there's chaos has no purpose. And I don't believe that. I think that he has an ability to dominate the media and dominate the um dominate the discourse in a way that nobody does and very effectively. And I think that he's going to continue to do that. Um, and it worked in 2016. It's worked for the four years of the presidency that he has been doing that. I mean, everybody just talks about Trump all the time and there is very little oxygen left for somebody else. Then the question becomes, do you want somebody else? Do voters know enough about Joe Biden? Are they? Does Joe Biden have enough ability to create this narrative for himself, or is it going to be entirely about what Donald Trump says about him? And there is a method to that. There is a method. There is a strategy. Uh, even if you just want to look at this debate as being entirely a dumpster fire. Uh, and I think the intelligentsia was out there saying that, well, they can't handle the fact that all the norms were broken, all the rules were broken. Uh, look, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty, but did... The president accomplished what he felt he needed to accomplish, uh, perhaps. And there are many people who want that pugilistic Trump. They want the guy who's going to fight over and over and continually. And that is what he gave them. No question about that. That is the Trump that the MAGA crowd wants in there. They want him in the ring. They want him fighting. They want him owning. They want him owning the real estate. They want him owning the oxygen. They want him owning the space. And we shall see, you know, what happens. I mean, Biden is kind of left with this dilemma. Do I do this again two more times? 
he kind of has to because he agreed to it. If they wouldn't have agreed already, I think that you know he'd probably just pack it up and say, let me protect my lead because no good can come of this. And that's kind of the dilemma he's facing. It's like, I, you know, how am I going to do this another two times without losing my cool? And Biden did lose his cool a couple of times. I mean, shut up, man. And, you know, you're a clown. I mean, that's not very presidential of Biden. Um, you know, kind of goes down to the, like, takes one to no one. I mean, what do we, it's just, you know, I mean, Chris Wallace's role was kind of limited to babysitter, which is unfortunate and tragic. But a lot of this has become theater anyway. Um, well, that's it for, you know, as far as the analysis for this week. Uh, we will be off next week for Cholamoid and resuming as we are now 33 days until Election Day. Uh, we are going to be really close to Election Day when we come back looking at this. So much at stake. The presidency, the United States Senate. Um, the U.S. House, a little less so, not looking at, but a lot at stake um, throughout the country in a, the most consequential election of our lives. This is Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs. Mm-hmm.